What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Welcome to the 80th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with the proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite is Jericho. My name is Austin Sumwitz. I am your host of this lovely, lovely show. And joining with me, as always, is Floyd Johnson Jr., my good buddy. How you doing, man? Uh, You just became a Judas in my mind. Hey, so, but that's not a good thing though. Like, <laughs> Judas is very much not a good thing, but like it's it's ah man, that song is. But it's just a good song though, so it's like it it makes the it makes the comparison completely worthwhile. Like um like I said, best thing in AEW to me is being in the arena live and singing along with Judas. Oh yeah, oh, I, yeah. like I love Cody, and you know I will sing. I know all the words. Uh, to Kingdom, and I sing it every time he comes out. But when they stop that music, and the whole crowd still singing along to Judas, like I've had Judas stuck in my head for three days at one point, like where <laughs> I couldn't shake it. I'm just sitting there playing PlayStation. Judas in, Judas in my mind. I become, I become and I start doing that, and it's like, see, I, I stopped because I didn't want to do it again. And it was like, it was like the mother of all earworms came from. Uh, Judas. So. Uh, oh yeah, and there's a and there's a there's a true art too of having like, like a great crowd interaction of like like people knowing every word and singing along, or people knowing every word to like say like, like the New Age Outlaws. Like anytime you can get really good crowd participation, like it's always so much fun to, to be a part of. Yeah, and it started so naturally. I think. Yeah, it just happened on the cruise. That, that's all happened. Yeah. And then once it started, it was like. It was it. It was like once it started, you know, that was that was the song. That was everything. 
So yeah, uh, yeah, that's really it's it's really awesome. But uh, I'm doing well. Football going on. I'm actually working overnights this weekend. So if you wonder why the show's a little later than usual, I have to adjust to my schedule, which is I don't like it. I don't. It was like last night. I never have a problem working. I work like sixty to eighty hours a week at times, and mm-hmm. it never bothers me. What bothered? And for some reason, last night. I was starting to work, and I was just like, "Dude, I just don't want to be here." Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, we all have one of those days before. Oh my god! So, Texas and OU, and another reason we're recording a little later is because Texas and OU were playing. So Texas uh, was down fourteen with like five minutes left, and uh, they scored to tie to tie the game. I say go yeah. for two. They didn't. Whatever. So in overtime, last two overtimes, they exchanged touchdowns. Well, OU just stopped Texas. Like, the first stop in seriously, like, an hour. You know, like a real-time hour. First stop in real-time hour. So Texas like, oh, I'm going to kick the field goal. Yep, it got blocked. So OU literally, all they have to do is score. It's like, jeez, dude. Like, I I saw on the ESPN app, I just saw three overtime, and I'm just like, my God, like, like I know a lot of people hate the NFL rule for um, overtimes and stuff and how like there's ties in it and stuff like that. But I, I've watched um, uh, European soccer. So ties and draws are like not uncommon to me. So I don't know. I'm just not used to it. But like if there is a college game that's going that long, even if it's a team that I like, I'm just like, nope, nope, nope. I'll look at the results afterwards and I'll watch the final play. I can't deal with this long ass game. Yeah. And we were supposed to record at. Again, this is a little back, 4 o'clock Eastern time, and they were in overtime. I was like, ah, give me 10 minutes. This game will be over. And then I just had to tap out because this game wasn't ever going to be over. So, uh, yeah, I know you didn't, I know everyone didn't call, I mean, didn't tune in to listen to me ramble on about college football. (laughs) Uh, I just tell people in Oklahoma, it's a religion. And, you know, I am a devout follower of said religion. Uh, So... That's Trust me, I've vi- I visited Georgia, and yeah. college football, like to people, means way more than NFL football. A lot of times, it makes total sense as why it's a religion. I mean, dude, I have like, and being in Oklahoma, uh, I've dated women that are bigger college football fans than me, and it's like they went to every game, and it's like, Hell oh, yeah. can we have a date on the set? You don't make dates on Saturday in the fall. You don't have weddings on Saturday in the fall. You just don't do it, because <laughs> no one's showing up. Or or if a lot of people are just sending gifts. Like, if you don't want actual people to show up at your wedding in Oklahoma, the best thing to do would be to just, you know... There you go. I'm going to just have it on a Saturday during the fall, because they're watching football, so... Um, yeah, uh, today we're recording Saturday, October 10th, and what's the big news of the day, Austin? Well, before, yeah, before we get into the big news of the week, real quick, I gotta shell the shit out of this. I wanna make sure you guys are downloading this fine, fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts, and also if you listen to Spotify, or if you listen to Google and Apple, be sure to share the podcast, because we would really appreciate it, 
please leave a rating and a review. And if you're so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. Please support us also by following us on social media. At AT Elite Pod is our Twitter for the show. At Social Suplex on Twitter as well. Myself, I'm at SZoomer4. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. But as you were saying, Floyd, the big news of the week is... The day that we're recording this, October 10th, is the one and only Tony Khan's birthday. It's honestly pretty huge day considering the guy is pretty much the biggest backer in the entire he I mean he pretty much like runs the show in terms of everything that AEW does. He's he's the guy. So big happy birthday to Tony Khan. I mean, like, I'm sorry your Jags aren't doing great, but you know what? Gardner Minshew is looking way better than he did before. So but happy birthday, Tony Khan. Thank you genuinely for help making this dream of another amazing wrestling company on cable television a reality because truly a lot of fans didn't think we'd see the day but like the Khan family really helped make this a reality and like despite the unbelievable popularity financially i don't think AEW would be here if it wasn't for the Khan family so happy birthday tony it comes down to tony Khan was the dream because we were all wrestling fans Talking online, uh, Reddit, and all that stuff. I mean, I, I mean, not me really. I was like, all this stuff I'm discovering over the last few years. But a lot of my friends were uh, listening to Voices of Wrestling flagship. They had the conversation. What if a person like a wrestling mark had access to billions of dollars and was actually, you know, a pretty good businessman? You know what? That's what Tony Khan answered the question to. And the answer is fucking awesome wrestling. That's what you get. That's what I've enjoyed by AEW. It's just when you see him, and like he might be in the background, all that stuff. He might be stressed, sweating bullets or whatever. But when you see him, he just looks like one of us enjoying wrestling. Yeah, I mean. And and that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's true. That's the thing, too, is like when I. I had the chance to talk to Cody once. Like the one thing I made like very clear about like Tony Khan when he came out and he thanked everybody for coming to the show and everything. Uh, I was just like when we went to All Out, it was just the fact that he seemed so genuine as showing his love of professional wrestling. It wasn't just another business venture opportunity. This is something that he's wanted to do, and it's very clear to see that. So, and it makes it seem way more genuine. And that's the one thing that AEW has shown to be genuine for the most part. And like Tony Khan is a great example of that as well. So yeah, amazing. Happy birthday to Tony Khan. Hope you're doing well. And now we can get into AEW dynamite for this week. The 30 years of the demo God, Le champion, Chris Jericho celebration episode real quick before we get into the show though. Cause I know we're going to be talking about something else in terms of our favorite memories because next week is going to be the anniversary episode of AEW dynamite. But since it's uh, Jericho's 30th year, 30 years in, uh, in pro wrestling might as well just go ahead and just before we get into the show, like what are our favorite moments of Chris Jericho's illustrious career? I'll let Floyd go ahead real quick. I know there's a lot to choose from and I put you on the spot a little bit, but I do think there's so much to pull from, from this guy's career. And it's like so much of it is quality. I would love to do a top five on this. I would love to really sit down and uh, do a top five, but I'm going to just think, 
Uh, first of all, uh, the one that really made me a fan of Jericho and WCW is his feud with Dean Malenko. And talking about, I mean, the best way I can describe it is talking about his father being passed passed away. Obviously, it wouldn't have happened if Dean Malenko didn't say it was okay. And he was just, and uh, I think that was one of the first uh, list of Jericho because he was, that was the first list of Jericho. He was the man of a thousand and four holds and every other hold was an arm bar. And it was, (laughs) so it's, uh. Yeah, I just I I loved it. I was a big fan of uh a big fan a big fan of that. That was the one that made me a fan. But the moment was when the countdown clock came on and it was like uh for WWE and uh The Rock was in the ring and it said three, two, one and then break the walls down. You had like and then it was Chris Jericho and you went freaking nuts. Oh yeah. <laughs> Because when, when his when his music hit, no one really knew what to expect, and then yeah. they just saw the words Jericho yeah. appear on the Titantron, and yeah. the place came unglued. And you have to be honest when you look at yourself, when you think about wrestling, and you think about, you know, like a lot of wrestlers are smaller now, right? It really started with Chris Jericho. I mean, well, that we, yeah, him and that whole cruiserweight division in WCW like really brought out the smaller guys on like popular yeah. pro wrestling. Yeah, because like Eddie Guerrero ended up being world champion, Chris Jericho, Rey Mysterio, all. But you know, before then, to be world champion, you had to look like The Rock, Stone Cold, Triple H, even Mick Foley, The Undertaker, Kane. Just going through the list. Chris Jericho was a small, smaller dude, and you like you sitting there watching him talk crap with the Rocky, like, and he, but his charisma and everything, uh, you know, complete, completely made you ignore that, and the fact that WWE did just treat him like a heavyweight, there it wasn't him stepping up in the division, and so his stuff, Intercontinental stuff, his stuff with uh, China, you know, he was like. Like in gender wrestling, you know, the way Jericho did it, it, you didn't even think about it. You know, it was just like you just went along with it. And uh, and these are these are WWE. Um, uh, let me give you a couple AEW ones. All out when I was there when he became the AEW champion. Uh, that was really cool. And then one moment that I wasn't there for, but it was freaking awesome is the Jericho Cruise. The fact that he created a wrestling cruise, tried to give it to WWE, and they turned it down. They turned the wrestling cruise down, and then he made it what it was. It's pretty awesome. And then uh, when the first time you heard people with the music off uh, singing uh, Judas, it was just like, his career, 30 years, I'm like I said, I would love to do a top five list. I would probably need 10 because even though I can honestly say Jericho was never my favorite wrestler, I always respected him as one of the best wrestlers. Yeah, and for me personally, too, like I've, if I've made it no secret. I got into professional wrestling in 2009. So by the time I got into wrestling, Jericho was very much his stone face, like, you parasites, I'm the best in the world at what I do. And then just a couple months later, he started teaming with the big show. But for me, like the one of the first genuine moments I experienced with Chris Jericho was his interaction with Bob Barker on Raw, which I saw that and I was dying. 
And that showed me that, like, not only is this guy talented as hell, but, I mean, he's funny as hell as well. Because I went back and watched a lot of his older stuff, like when he was when he was uh, the first ever undisputed world champion and just saw the stuff that he did in WCW. And I was just like, how, like, normally wrestlers have one or the other. How do you have both? That's unbelievable. And then, of course, one of my all-time favorites, honestly, like, and it's newer, but the Festival of Friendship. Like, oh my God, did that segment just one of the best. Of and it all time, only worked because of Jericho. It only, well, no, and also, like, no disrespect to KO. He did a hell of a job with that segment as well. But Jericho, yeah. just the way that he carried the segment along and the way that he finished it off did was you, just perfect. I, and I just want to add if you think about that segment, just like you take Jericho out of it, that segment sucks. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? If I'm if I'm describing to you the segment, you're like, why the hell would they be doing that? But Jericho, his energy, his charisma, his Jericho, his Jericho-ness made it work. He makes ridiculous things work. And it's just, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's one of those things where, you know, you look at uh, WWE, any actually any company, and they'll try to do stuff like this, and you're like, Oh, God, that's so stupid. And you put your hand over your head. Why am I a wrestling fan? But then you think about it, Jericho would make it work. That exact mm-hmm. same thing. You put Jericho in, it would end up working. Yeah, and also, in terms of AEW stuff, just the fact that he showed up at the pep rally was one of the hugest things, like, in terms of, like, really just setting the world on fire. He just, the moment that they were like, oh, AEW got Chris Jericho, and he's going to be one of their top guys. Okay, now everyone pays attention because when people were saying that AEW, like Jericho would say, AEW doesn't exist without me. In a sense, he's kind of right though. There's a real good sense of truth of that, which is what makes the best bad guys is when they're speaking a little bit of truth because the people who were looking on the outside who were like maybe not so familiar with the elite, maybe not so familiar with guys from New Japan or guys from Ring of Honor or yada yada yada. Once Jericho shows up, okay, now we'll pay attention. Like, a, a lot a, of everybody. A needs, lot of, you need a Hogan. You need a Hogan yeah. in your company. Uh, it, it's funny because I, I always talk about you know like Hulk Hogan. Uh, personal side, you know, but you look at it. WWF. How did it start with Vince acquiring Hulk Hogan? WCW. When did they become real? When Vince acquired Hulk Hogan? You know, it was like you need that big name, that draw, that superstar that can get people in the building. AEW, as much as the Elite were great and Cody was great, they were more insider baseball. They were more for the hardcore baseball fans. I mean, hardcore wrestling fans. They were more like, I could be wearing a, you know, you wear a Bullet Club shirt and you go up to one guy in the mall and you too sweet. And, you know, the rest of the people are like, what the hell are these people doing, right? But Jericho was the guy, you talk about wrestling, oh, Jericho? Jericho? He's he was such a legend. He has crossed over into pop culture, you know, with Fozzie. With he's literally does a, uh, a podcast. He's on a Kevin Smith's podcast all the time. He is just so famous, so famous, and the world knows around knows who he is. He was the name that was going to draw people that maybe didn't watch professional wrestling back in AEW. 
Yeah, and and like you said too, seeing him win the 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 AEW championship and becoming the first champion live was also a huge moment. But like we we've we've just rattled a bunch of memories off of Jericho's long illustrious career, and I'm sure we missed so many. But over off the top of my head, those are the memories that I remember with Jericho. And like I mean, just the fact that we've barely even scratched the surface just shows how important of a figure Chris yeah. Jericho is in pro- professional wrestling. And again, yeah. Like if I rattled off my favorites, like again, like maybe like Jericho would be in the top ten for sure, but he wouldn't be like my personal favorite. But the amount of respect and and admiration I have for the guy, like to be around that long and to evolve the way that he did and continuously draw, is something I haven't seen like at all. Like I think because wrestlers have been able to change up their character before, but like I haven't seen a guy in my lifetime who is drawn and created new personas in his career for over 30 years and never changed his name yeah like exactly nothing i mean jericho has been jericho he's one of the people signed with wwe kept his name you know went all these other places you know was in a wrestle kingdom match you know it's like there's very few things that jericho in his career hasn't done and you know when he first left for fozzy like the first time he left for Fozzie, I thought, yeah, the first time he left for Fozzie, I thought he was done wrestling. And then he started basically a whole new other career, and he's doing exactly what the, the old veterans are supposed to do. He's putting over young talent. He's giving them the rub. He's so, like, you know, he, he loves, he he's so about doing what is right in wrestling. And giving back, yeah. And so, like, nothing but respect and love for Jericho. Thank you so much for all the incredible moments you've given us over the past 30 years. Like, yeah, you're you're 100% one of a kind. And we – wrestling wouldn't be the same without Jericho, guaranteed. But getting into AEW Dynamite, the actual show, we opened up with the FTW Championship being defended for the first time ever at AEW. The Machine Brian Cage with Taz on, his, on a commentary along with Ricky Starks. Defends against Will Hobbs, and these guys are just massive dudes. And, like, I knew Will Hobbs was big when I saw him show up. Did not think he was that big. My God. They're, like, his spine buster, like, is super strong. I think that he does really well with that. And the match itself, I loved how Brian Cage was, like, truly struggling at one point. And eventually... Hobbs uh, ducked a discus, discus lariat. He hit the last one, Testament Spinebuster on Cage, and then he went for yeah. Literally, all it took was a missed frog splash for Brian Cage to get the drill claw for the pin. So Will Hobbs had like Brian Cage running for a while, and it was a really strong opening match. And then right after the match, Taz gets on the mic. Ricky Starks gets in the ring, gives Hobbs two options. Either A, you be part of Team Taz, or B, you say no to option A, and Starks and Cage beats the hell out of you. So he asks them what it's going to be. Darby Allen's music hits. He comes to the skate with his skateboard with the ring, into the ring, and Ricky Starks and Brian Cage leave, and Taz then screams that Darby will live to regret it. Once again, Darby is not done with Ricky Starks or Team Taz, continuing that feud as well. And again, I really like this opener. I thought... 
Will Hobbs looked super good. Like as somebody who hasn't seen a ton of him, he looks really, really good. Yeah, I thought this is my favorite thing. I talk about it on other shows. Big men slapping meat. You know, I just like I just like when two big guys get out there. If I think about it, like big Will Hobbs is kind of like eighties big. You know, like he you know former football player who's just a naturally big dude, right? And then Brian Cage is like bodybuilder big, you know what I mean? But the things that Brian Cage can do with, you know, the standing shooting stars and the athleticism he brings is pretty crazy. The things Will Hobbs can do as far as just being big, tall, and athletic is pretty crazy also. Uh, I just thought this was a really good match. I totally thought it told a perfect story that uh, Will Hobbs, is big and he's strong, but Brian Cage is on that second level. So even though he hit him with that finisher, he, uh, he you know, he and, and he kicked out. It was like Will Hobbs had that moment where I don't know what to do. Like, I no one's gotten up from that move, you know. And again, that builds into his being young to talent because I always say every wrestler has a finisher and a fatality. You know, the finisher is what generally wins. Like with Cody, it's the crossroads. But his fatality, when he's really trying to take somebody out, he'll bust out the vertebraker or the 187, or I think he calls it the Dim's Fire, whatever. The Dim's Fire, that's when, hey, my finisher didn't work. I need to try something else. Yeah, so uh, Hobbs doesn't have that yet. So he goes on top rope, something he hadn't done all match, and he's like, I'm going to do a frog splash because I, I really need to take him out. The veteran Brian Cage moves out the way, takes advantage of his mistake, and then gets the pin. I mean, that's a wrestling story as old as wrestling. You know, you like the young guy, you know, his playbook wasn't full. So. And then the aftermatch, I... For a half a second, I thought Will Hobbs was going to jump Darby Allen and join Team Taz. That still might happen. I, I've i always had this gimmick that I would use, and if I was a wrestler, I mean, anyone in wrestling, I would overuse the shit out of it. I like to get a big guy in, uh, like, a Wardlow role. I like him to wear a suit. His job is to protect Taz. You still build him up on, uh, you still build him up on, uh, Dark just beating other people for a long time and then as he gets better he's like okay well why you know it's my turn you know you've pushed brian cage he can't get over the hump or whatever it's my turn i'm your star you know and that's what sets up the feud and he can either turn heel on brian cage or you know become a face or whatever he's gonna do but that it's a it's a storyline i've seen so many times or thought about so many times that uh, I, I figure it would work with Will Hobbs, or he could stick with Darby Allen. It's one of the, it's a motley crew of uh, wrestlers, because it's like, what do Will Hobbs and Darby Allen have in common? Why are they tagging up? But hey, you know, that's the fun thing about wrestling. You get people that wouldn't tag up, normally tagging up. But overall, I thought this was a hot segment to start the show. Uh, very, a very good segment to start the show. I thought Will Hobbs. He has a lot of potential, and, you know, I got a few people telling me he's missing something, but I'm like, yeah, but he's not supposed to be the world champion tomorrow, you Mm -hmm. know? I mean, this is a long-term project, and my most important thing is African-American singles wrestlers being featured on the show, a common and a a large, uh, you know, complaint 
from even people inside the AEW fan base seems to be uh, seems to be being addressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and honestly, like Will Hobbs is one of those guys that I think like was long overdue to be picked up by either WWE or AEW. And I do agree, like diversity in your roster is like even regarding like disregarding what's like current current issues or like whatever you want to like if you want to like it's it really isn't a political issue just having a diverse roster of different characters that look different act different in a show in a movie or in a wrestling company always offers better matchups always offers more entertaining a more entertaining product so i agree that's one of those things that i always thought like in the back of my head i'm like they should probably address this and now that they seem to be doing that I, I, I applaud them. I think they should continue to do that and like continue to find athletes that don't look like somebody that we're used to seeing and continue to push them. And I think that's always that's always a thing that you should continue to do because that's how you make new stars. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, all throughout the night in the Jericho celebration show for his 30 years, we had multiple montages of celebrities congratulating Jericho on his career, offering their favorite memories. And there was a lot of people that got that showed up. Uh, they had slash Jericho's dad, Ted Irvine. We had people from AEW talking about it. We had Gabriel Iglesias, who was also apparently on a zoom call with Chavo Guerrero, which sure, why not? But the only one that people seem to like really pique their interest in and the only one that people seem to remember anymore, Hiroshi Tanahashi, who offered his congratulations. So the instant he showed up, now all of a sudden people are starting to clamor about, are AEW going to continue to do stuff with New Japan? I feel like it's safe to say that that was just a simple cameo and it's nothing more. But, I mean, like, that's, it makes sense. It makes sense why he showed up and congratulated him. But, like... To think that New Japan are just instantaneously going to start like working with AEW just because Hiroshi Tanahashi showed up once, and also just as like a small like celebration cameo for one guy, I don't think that's something to like be like. I mean, it would be amazing, but I don't think it's going to happen. Well, let me say, uh, I could see Tanahashi doing something with AEW and sure. then not opening the door because Tanahashi's Tanahashi; he can do what he wants. You know, Tanahashi and. Um, New Japan is like Jericho and AEW. I mean, they, I mean, Tanahashi helped put New Japan back to where it is right now. So he has earned a certain amount of flexibility that other people would not have. But I don't know if the door is open. I, I've been guessing that the door was open since the day AEW opened. And I had been fantasy booking matches with Okada because I know he's close with the Bucks. And Abushi because like he's close with Kenny, and then the Bullet Club was all a thing. So I was like, man, maybe Tamatanga and Tonga Loa show up, and that's a thing that happens. But it's never happened. So it not happening. All I can say is, you know, wait and see. And I think it's it's one of those. I'm not trying to like. I'm not trying to like pass the buck or not pay attention. Uh, I what I'm really focusing on is the moment, like the moment the door is open, if we stop guessing when the moment is, man, it's going to hit so much bigger when that door is open. Most most casual fans won't get it, and they won't understand why we're going freaking nuts. But good Lord, it's just like Hiroshi Tanahashi. Like, I've never... 
admittedly never been a fan of Hiroshi Tanahashi. I always say he's like a person that uh, started re- watching wrestling when John Cena was like in his 10th year. Mm-hmm. He's like, you look at John Cena and he's wearing the colorful shorts, shorts and the jorts and, you know, he's kind of trying you to look like... every week. Yeah, and it's like, okay, this is stupid. But if you you started off with John Cena, you understand that each part of John Cena has a bit piece of him has been built over a multiple amount of years to make John Cena John Cena. That's the whole thing with Hiroshi Tanahashi. It's like, I didn't see the building blocks and the end product just kind of seems like a hobbled old guy, you know. But to all those people that began with Hiroshi Tanahashi, it's like, oh, God, he's the greatest storyteller in wrestling. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Yeah, he's he's the ace for a reason. Yeah, he's the ace for a reason. But I didn't see him become the ace. I was just told he was the ace. After yeah, a lot and, when of you, and when you haven't seen it unfold, that's just with any wrestling. Yeah, like, yeah. Like if you haven't seen the full story unfold, you're not going to get attached to it like most do. Yeah. So like, but understanding how big that would be for AEW, I mean, their whole goal has been we're going to acknowledge that other wrestling exists. We're going yeah. to work with other companies. They did it with the NWA, and it seemed to work out. Thunder Rosa, I think, has more eyes on her than she ever ever, ever would have had before, and I think. And you know, Hiroshi Tanahashi, as far as New Japan running shows in America, which they had an American expansion before COVID hit, you know, more people would know who Hiroshi Tanahashi is. More, and I, more. I'm, I'm almost certain, too, that once, like, everything starts to calm down, they're going to continue to push for their American expansion that they were originally planning for because they were going hardcore. And you know that because they had a Madison Square Garden show. So if that doesn't tell you how much New Japan wants to get over in the States... Like, nothing will. Yeah, I mean, everybody wants to get over everywhere because it's more money. But in in JPW world, getting people to sign on, getting people to learn it. I'm like, I I very rarely met a person who has started watching New Japan Wrestling and is like, okay, I'm I'm never watching it again. Generally, when you give it a shot and you like professional wrestling, you realize that it is... You know, it, it's the five-course meal. It is the uh, the expensive steak place that's like $100 a plate. That's what New Japan is when it comes to pro wrestling. It is oh, yeah. about the, you know, it's about the sport of professional wrestling. You know, America, you know, is Chili's. You know what I mean? American wrestling a lot of times is Chili's. Yeah, know? or and Applebee's. Or Applebee's. I put them on the same level. Hey, for me, good food. You know what I mean? But you know what? It's... Not going to change your life most of the time, so I just think uh, I, I just think that's where we're at. Uh, doors cracked open. I don't think it's open, but there's a crack. You can see the light on the other side of the door. I mean, if you got something funky in your room, it's kind of letting that smell out because the door's cracked. But there's it, always a chance. It's not fully open yet. Yeah, there's always a chance. It's just not right now. Though maybe eventually that talks will happen again but as of right now i don't think it'll it'll happen but getting back into the show everybody get ready floyd's gonna gush it's the brush of great brush with greatness 20 minute time limit match for the AEW world tag team championships ftr versus th2 and helico and jack evans now i will mention in this match real quick uh 
I loved the the work that they did on Jack Evans and how Jack Evans was selling his left leg the entire match. There was a moment where uh, there was a botch in him trying to jump off the top rope that to the point where he got up to the second rope. But in a sense, it kind of worked just because of the the story they were telling with his leg. But it was very clearly a botch because he went up to do it again pretty much on the second rope. But overall, still, for this match, solid tag team title match and... Other than the fact that they literally brutalized Jack Evans and just took and Helico out of the match and just targeted Jack Evans instantaneously, FTR won this match clean, and that's a huge moment. Um, Bucks were watching the match on the monitor at one point, just completely like their backs turned and only had their necks like facing to the side. It was the weirdest way I've ever seen somebody watch uh, wrestling TV in a very long time. And then after the match was over, they super kicked a cameraman and then was going to pay him. For the damages, but they didn't have their wallets on them. But FTR retains the titles in convincing fashion, and they're going to continue to keep an eye on when this match ends up happening. But then afterwards, pictures of uh, actually, real quick, before we talk about what happened afterwards, uh, Floyd, your thoughts on the match itself? Okay, match itself. Um, I'm a big fan of TH2. Uh, Jack Evans doesn't have bones. I, I, I'm convinced of that. The things he can do with his body is crazy. Uh, I, and Helico has this very interesting cocky look to cocky look. I've always, like, the first time I watched him wrestle, I was like, dude, I'm a fan of this dude. He just has this fluidity in how he moves. And this was going to be interesting contrast because Helico really wrestles a style that FTR would be amenable to because he's a lot of technical wrestling submissions and all that kind of stuff and jack evans is more of the high fun he is more of the uh you know contrast and styles so that's why i've always liked th2 because again they're very much a hybrid tag team i just thought this match was i thought this match was good classic tag team match uh ftr and I love that it was a heel versus heel match. Nobody really worked a face in it. And, you know, FTR gets the win. I love that TH2 was featured in it, featured in this show. I know I generally go off on FTR being the greatest tag team ever, how they allowed them to rush of greatness. TH2 is one of those teams I will make the exception for because I feel like they should have been featured on Dynamite more. But, of course, it's a two-hour show with a huge roster. Everybody can't be featured. If you, you check out Jack Evans' Twitter, he's like, I've never had a better boss. I've never been treated as well as I ever have in professional wrestling except for Tony Khan. He'll he'll defend the fact that he's not on Dynamite every week. And it, and that's what you find with the, uh, what you, with the roster that I've noticed is that they will defend not being on TV. You yeah, know, how people like, like every other company, it feels like, oh, give me some more time. Give me more of this. AEW was like, we understand where we're at. We have two hours of live TV every week. There's no way everybody can be featured. I mean, it would be like 11 two-minute matches or whatever, and, and that's not getting anybody over. They are really, you know, focused on the wrestling. I thought, you know, dedicating basically 20 minutes to tag team wrestling every week. Oh my God! You don't understand. This this is this is Floyd, and then you have the best tag team in the world, FTR, doing what he does and letting everybody understand what real tag team wrestling looks like, and just keep winning and winning, undefeated, still undefeated. It was great. It was great to see and the finish. Oh my God! Shout out to 
90s tag team, uh, Paul, Precious Paul Roma, or Paul Roma, and Hercules Hernandez. They did, uh, they were called Power and Glory. And they, in the 90s, this was considered super high flying. Uh, Hercules Hernandez would do a superplex, and Paul Roma would jump off with, uh, jump off with a splash. And the way they did it back then, a lot of times they would do it simultaneously. Like, uh, Hercules would start jumping off the top, would start going for the super suplex, and Paul Roma would already be in the air for the splash, and the timing and the execution, it was like, this is beautiful. FTR paying homage, homage to... A great tag team. Well, they weren't a great tag team. To a tag team before, a well-known tag team. Like, if you had talked to tag team people, they're always going to bring up power and glory. They got the three with it. They didn't even have to use... Uh, they didn't have to use the Shatter Machine. They didn't have to use uh, the Mind Breaker. They just, you know, they hit the power and glory. And it is a finisher, and it's an awesome finisher. So, uh, shout yeah. out to them. I would have said this, personally, with Animal... Dying last week, I would have liked to see a yeah. Doomsday device at some point I during think, the show. Yeah. You know, you yeah. know, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. I would have saw. But if you talk to you talk to FTR, they are Midnight Express. They are uh, Midnight Express. They are um, what? Okay, Midnight Express, Brainbusters. They love the Steiners, Power and Glory. They do. They've done that move move a few times. So it's just like. I never hear them really talking about the Road Warriors, so that might have been a thing. They might not just been Road Warriors guys, but you know. But I would have loved to see. I think I think it'll device. be pretty reasonable to think that at some point a team and in any wrestling company, like just a team, will do the shadow. I mean, do do that move just to pay homage to Animal and just pay homage to the Road Warriors. So I think I think somewhere in wrestling there'll be a, a team that t- pays homage to the Road Warriors, but. After the match, and after the Bucks super kicked a cameraman, on screen there was a picture of FTR dressed up as hot dogs, and best friends come out with T-shirts of that, and just went as comedy backyard wrestlers that you guys claim that we are. What we're trying to say is that you guys are weenies. Continuing to go on with that, but. We're not joking when we say we're number one contenders and we're facing you next week in the anniversary show for the titles. So next week, best friends get their shot against FTR. And yeah, I just they're, they're, the fact that they continue to push that and also... What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. Use the picture that very much I don't think they were meaning to make it make it make fun of what WWE were dressing up the revival to be like in their last year or so of being in the company, but it looked very similar just because it looked just as ridiculous. But I love how best friends are very much they know how ridiculous they are and they're leaning into it so much, but at the same time I think when they face FTR, they're gonna tear the freaking house down. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the weenie shirts will never be purchased in uh, my house, and if anyone I know buys that shirt, we're not friends anymore. Oh, it's okay. I'll, I'll send you one, man. I I, I actually I know I missed the fall sale, but you know what? I'll grab one for you though. Since you since you you've been so cool to me. Uh, nope. I will I will disown you. Uh, <laughs> 
This shirt on you. This on on your cow. Well, this shirt, this shirt does not uh, represent the thoughts and feelings. This is not positive. Is no. it is try, <laughs> it is calling the greatest tag team in the world weenies. Uh, the fact that that's over and that it's a thing, I have to tip my hat to best friends. Uh, I just like uh, that's silly, but you know, hey, whatever. <laughs> But yeah, and they, they got it on a shirt. Pro wrestling tees, man. I, uh, I, I've been told not to put them over because they don't sponsor the show. But I freaking love that place, man. <laughs> I was like, like forty percent of my wardrobe comes from there. How do I not talk about them? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, now, I don't... <laughs> yeah. Now after this, we had a small video package of MJF offering his tribute to Jericho, and that would pay in later on in the show, just talking about how he was inspired by him. But then. The TNT Championship, the Exalted One, Mr. Brody Lee versus Cody in a dog collar match. Now, this, I really want to get Floyd's thoughts on this match first because I think he'll exp- he'll just explain the intricacies of this match and how it got its point across better than I can. So, Floyd. Okay. So, first of all, shout out to AEW. Uh, again, this is the... Uh, the the what word am I looking for? What's the greatness of having a former Mark <laughs> as your owner? Is that while doing this dog crawler match, Greg Valentine is in the crowd. The hammer from the person that was in the most famous dog crawler match in history, and that to me, old guy. Warmed my heart, even though I'm not. I always say I'm old. I'm only 39. To some people, that might be old. Some people, it's not. I always say, because to me, when I was your age, Austin, 40 was old to me. It's like, dude, you're 40? <laughs> it's like, 40? And it's like, so I always say I'm old, because I do remember being that. I remember being younger and thinking, oh, God, I'm going to have everything together. My life is going to be perfect when I turn 40. I mean, not far from it, but whatever. That's beside the point. <laughs> uh, but um, when we look at the match, you start that, then you just got the how violent it started and using the chains, and they even got creative with you know pulling each other back and forth. It was literally like, and it you know like this is the line. You cannot run. You cannot hide. You know you got to fight. You know Cody. Cody uh, hitting John Silver busted him open like un- immediately, and then the whole things with Anna J pulling him back. I can honestly say, I love Cody's presentations of matches. I do love it. Always have. I love the attitude, big era, big feel when you got all the run-ins and stuff. I can honestly say, in this particular match, this one match, this one instance, I think the story would have been told better. With nothing on the outside. Okay. Because what I mean, wh- what is what is Arn coaching you in a dog collar match? I gr- I agree, yeah. But the, the spot though. <laughs> no, no, it was, was it was pretty. I mean, I'm not saying it was bad. I was no, just yeah, saying yeah. for the gravitas of the moment, I would have left everybody in the back. I will say though, the spot of uh, Mr. Brody Lee throwing a chair at. Uh, at Arn Anderson, yeah. Um, yeah, you know it's a good spot too because like it was just the most d- despicable thing you could do, and Jim Ross was just 
he was just taken aback of how like what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. Anytime, anytime that Jr. is like visually and like audibly offended at what a heel wrestler has done, like you know you did a good spot. Yeah, and the word uh, it it's thrown around in wrestling very often. And you know, you don't, you can't describe it. You don't know what it is. And if you got if if the person's your favorite wrestler, you think they have it. You know, it's very much a subjective term until someone like really, really gets over. Like Orange Cassidy. You know, I didn't. You know, I, I when first time I saw him, I was like, that dude has it. And then, but it wasn't proven until you know he got over. Anna J. Is like the female definition of it. Yeah. When she shows up, it's just like, you look at her. Like, if she's in the ring, I don't care who else is in the ring, you're at least glancing over at her. And it's yeah. like, even with Brandy there, and Brandy, Brandy, you know, it looks like Brandy. Just like the best way I can say it. And there's not a lot of times that Brandy's in a room or in the ring that your eyes aren't on Brandy. Anna Jay takes your attention away. In this match, it was like when she was working with John Silver, all that stuff. I just wanted to give a shout out to her because I just think she has that it thing. I think, yeah. I think barring injury, barring any major screw ups in her booking, she is going to be a player in wrestling for a very, very long time. I agree. And uh, but yeah, the match so physical, the punches, the clotheslines. He hit a crossroads, and Brody Lee kicked out at one because he actually did the same thing on the paradigm shift with uh the, the John Moxley did. So they stuck with the fact that it takes more than your finisher to beat him, you know. And then he hits the moves of Cody, and Cody kept kicking out. And then you know uh. Cody hits the Den's fire, and he tries to go to the top ropes and get yanked off. There's so many moments from this match. But, you know, Cody's bleeding, and then, but the end, the wrapping the chain around his face, and just, you know, choking him out, punching him, punching him, you know, finally hits the crossroads and gets the three. And it's just like, you know, he didn't beat Brody Lee. He survived Brody Lee. I know Moxley used that word later, but it was the same type of experience. You know, Cody was the better man this night, and it took a chain and wrapped it around his uh, Brody Lee's neck to get the pin and get to become the TNT champion. But good lord, a warrior, a, a war, and then you know we're just looking at the match, and I just want to talk about the match right now, not the promo after. It was just a physical intel and take and violence. <laughs> that it was it's something you won't see on tv and very often and i just i commend the guys they put in a workman's effort you don't get this on cable you know you don't get this on a weekly show and you know they announced it as the main event you know chris jericho and his match was a special attractive but this was the main event and they really did treat it like a main event it was like after this match was over it was like almost overtime into the rest of the show. Yeah, I mean, like, I will say um, the appearance of... I'm glad that they limited the people in the Dark Order that came out. Because if it was just the entire Dark Order, I agree it would have detracted from the match. Having just John Silver and Anna Jay 
And then John Silver eventually just gets completely d- dismembered and then just has to be carried to the back by Anna Jay. I think, yeah, like having like just them in the ring would probably make it seem a lot bigger. Arn always comes to the ring. And again, that spot with uh, Arn and uh, John Silver and Brody Lee was just too good. Like, I just love that spot so much. But I do like especially, and I, as someone pointed this out, and I don't remember who, but I do love the fact that in this dog collar match, in a in a in a in an era where a lot of times like weird extreme rules or no holds barred gimmick matches can just be like death matches and just like have like explosions and barbed wire and tacks and all this kind of stuff, the only other weapons other than the dog collar used was a chair and a table. That was it. Yeah, it was just two guys that were attached to each other. And they were just going to use what they had, and they just demolish each other. And that you just pile driver this, through the table, just, exactly. Yeah, it's just two guys, and they're tied together, and it's just their hate, and that's what's pushing the physicality and the violence in the match. You don't need all these other extra props to make it more violent. What you're putting on in the story and what you're putting on between these two characters just locked together and they can't escape each other. That's the all the violence you need. Yeah, yeah the table spot was great and I love that they included it. Having a chair involved too was fine too. Like it's like it's like it's like in a match like this, a chair spot is always fine. But for the most part, it was just the dog collar and the chain. So I I commend them for keeping it like. So, like it's weird to say a dog collar match relatively simple in what it needed to be like that worked so much better for it i think absolutely i completely agree with everything you just said no arguments from uh from me um it's just it was like you know, it was an old school wrestling match done a new school style it wasn't like they didn't both have crimson mask you didn't have to turn your kid away but they still got the violence over that needed yeah. to get over and you know Cody won and I don't know if I would have had Cody win uh, and that's that's the big thing with me is most people don't realize this is like I watch like I said I watch wrestling like a TV show I have my favorite characters but I don't necessarily need my character to win every time you know what I mean Cody's my favorite character on AEW he's my favorite wrestler in AEW I don't need him to win every time if it works with his storyline or not, I don't know where they're going from now. So him winning might work very well. They might do a rubber match at uh, they might do a rubber match at uh, Full Gear because they are one-one right now. I, I mean, I don't know what you can do to top what I just saw, but they are one-one right now. So they might do that going forward. It might lead to a mixed tag match with Cody and Brandy, uh, Cody and Brandy versus Anna J and uh, you know. Anna Jay and Brody Lee, and I don't know where it's going, but I like where it is. And then now, I mean, now we can talk about the promo. I feel like the promo was weird to me because it was passionate. It was everything Cody is in every promo, right? But he did some stuff, and I'm gonna point him out. He said, "I'm I will never turn my back on you." It's like people thought I should go heel. I will never turn my back on you. Okay, gotta throw this out here. Anytime in wrestling, when people use the word never, what generally happens very soon after that? They break that never. Exactly. 
<laughs> so it's like, oh, as somebody I'm, who's yeah. seen Cody Rhodes heal as well in the past, like, I'm sorry, Cody, I love you. I don't buy that for a fucking second. I prefer Cody heel. I've always preferred Cody heel. I think he's better as a heel. I think you know when he gets to that last match and loses. That's I think he he does more to get the person over as a heel, even though I think he does a great job as a face. But I'm just saying I'm just pointing it out there with the black, you know, black hair and all that stuff and bringing back from uh, the previous tag team match, you know, or not previous tag team match into the night. We'll talk about that later. You'll see another thing where people seem to be getting closer and it's just like. Okay, so maybe something happens there. And Brandy is a heel. She'll tell you all the time. She prefers being a heel. She thinks it matches her natural personality, even though she's like one of the nicest humans ever. But oh, yeah. she, she likes, you know, being a heel. But I just thought, I pointed that out in there. And then he just had a dog collar match. I, I, I'm about letting wrestling breathe. I've always been like that. You just had this violent dog collar match where you just said you know you said the week before people aren't going to come out and they're not going to be changed they're going to be changed and you know they're not going to come out the same blah 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 that's great why are you booking the match the next week though yeah honestly i think it's just because it's the anniversary show i know it's the i know it's the anniversary show but he could come out and just cut a fire promo on the anniversary show and it would be amazing oh yeah yeah it's just you're not letting the match breathe the, yeah. the, there's supposed to be consequences to this match. If I mean, I'm in, could, I'm in a dog, show up, I yeah, mean, he could possibly show up in the next match. But yeah, I, I know he shouldn't. He shouldn't be wrestling. It's just like I, it was back in the WWE days where they do a ladder match and they'd say these people's bodies were broken and then yeah, they'd be booked. Sally, in, yeah. yeah, then they'd be booked in a tag team match later in the day. I just think it's silly. I, you know what? And you know, I, you know, I will generally let Cody get away with murder. I just think it's weird. You're not letting the match breathe. And you need something for the 21st anyway, right? Yeah. Why not do this? Why not do the OC match? Because that's who comes down to uh, is Orange Cassidy. It's like, yeah, like I said, let it breathe. Let it matter. Come and taped up ribs and all that stuff next week. Like, man, that hit me. But, and, and I was going to say this. The only way this can be fixed to me is if he loses to Orange Cassidy. Yeah, if that's like him just being too confident in himself and then all of a sudden Orange Cassidy pulls up a mega upset. Yeah, that's the only way this works. Because now you're still getting over the fact... That you're not the same. That you're not the same, that the match took a toll on you. That beat up Cody can't beat up uh, you know, a full 100% Orange Cassidy. That makes sense. That will put Orange Cassidy over. We'll see. Until next week. It's just yep. like I said, it's one of those things that you have to see. I was also confused why Orange Cassidy is getting a title shot like literally like two weeks after he already lost his last TNT championship match. Yep. Now yeah. we have a promo in between uh these next couple matches. We had three more names announced for the AEW World Championship Tournament that I'm going to make sure I get this right. Um, if um, the people that have already been announced for the for the uh, tournament was... Uh, uh, do I have the full names, actually? Um, well, the names that were announced 
Oh, yeah. The people that have already been announced right now was Kenny Omega, Jungle Boy, and Ray Phoenix. And tonight it was revealed that other people that will be taking part are Wardlow, Boom Boom Colt Cabana, and Hangman Adam Page. So with that name being announced, Alex Marvez was interviewing Kenny Omega backstage. He was relishing in the fact that he was back as a singles wrestler. And this tournament was where he was going to stake his claim for the AEW world title. He was unbelievably confident. He talked about how in his experience with tournaments, many times he comes out on top. Sometimes he'll take a part in a tournament in his first time ever. He'll win the whole thing. Obviously alluding to the G1 Climax, which he has alluded to in the past before. Um, but then Marvez points out about it and then about how he's very confident. And then Kenny Omega says it doesn't matter who he throws at him, even if it's Hangman with a cow, even if it's a cowboy, even if it's a former tag team wrestler who wants to get involved in this singles competition, it doesn't matter. He is going to win the whole thing. So Kenny Omega is very much feeling himself. And honestly, like if this tournament doesn't end with Hangman versus Kenny, I don't know what on earth we're doing here, but I feel like that's where we're going. And honestly, fucking yes like just like if the, the whole reason for this tournament uh, being the what it is to have kenny and hangman face off is all i'm asking for like please god the, the way these guys have just continued to like the the like these two guys have been like one of my favorite character things that have been happening in AEW. so i'm like all for this whole tournament itself and plus like I'm getting into the i'm like catching up on the g1 too i'm just in full tournament mode right now so like Yes, more of this, please. Uh, I absolutely agree. Um, that's where it's going. But I'm looking forward to the matches that get us there. Uh, I think that's so cool because you you got to think it's going to start on the 21st. You're looking at it. There is the 21st, the 28th, and the 4th. So if you think about it, uh, you probably, like, there's, what, eight, there's going to be eight people in it. That's four match first round. So maybe you get... Uh, two matches, you know, you get four matches on the 21st, two matches on the 28th, and then the finals are on the 7th. If you think about it, that'll start happening on the 21st. So I'm looking forward to it. The Everybody that has listed can work really, really well. I like the idea of Colt Cabana being in there, and I do also like the idea of, you know, he wants kind of like, it was kind of like the Dark Order wanted him. And now it's like he wants to be in the dark order. You know what I mean? Now that Brody doesn't yeah. want him, it's 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 kind of reverse. So I, I'm I'm waiting waiting to see the pairings. Uh, there was a, a a memo sent out by Hangman Page uh, this uh, week. Uh, Hangman Page this week on um, on, tw on, on Twitter. Twitter and. Uh, it was hilarious. I am going to tell everybody you should uh, watch it. Some of the highlights. Uh, he says, as a child, <laughs> one, of the, one of the bullet points, because this was dictated by AEW, as a child, Hangman Adam Page, then in parentheses, unintelligible, the voicemail devolved into a, a slurred monologue with the occasional yell, followed by two minutes of silence. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's man. worth a read for sure. Hey, yeah, and the only other one I'm gonna put in. Uh, Hangman thinks that the AEW World Championship is the best looking championship, even more detailed and shiny than the tag team championships. It would look cool as Hangman's big ass belt buckle. 
Uh, yeah, so you should go to the Hangman page Twitter and read the, the memo. But it was hilarious because he does, in every sense of the term of this page, sound like a jilted girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> or boyfriend, it, whatever. It just sounds like somebody. It, it just sounds like somebody has gotten their heart broken. Yes, that's. I mean, and he's drowning it in alcohol, as we can all very much see. But after this, we had pretty much just a breather match in number two ranked Big Soul facing Serena Deeb. I love both these girls. This was match was very much put in place to just kind of just transition into the final match of the show. It was fun. It was a decent match, I think. Nothing it, was it, really it, wrong with it. I will always say this. The thing about AEW's women match placement, it's like the worst. It's it, not great. It, it, I feel like this should have been before the Cody match, but you just came off the emotional high of two men beating the crap out of each other to change. You tried to break it up with, you know, a few interviews, but then you go to the women's match. I, I honestly, I wouldn't want any match that means anything to try to follow what you just watched. It's just too it, difficult. It, huh? Yeah, it seems like it should have been like a squash match, like. Warlow came out and just like threw somebody around I mean, for a didn't minute. Get an entrance. Yeah, yeah. It was like Warlow came out and threw somebody around for a minute and then had the women's match, but it just felt like such an afterthought. Yeah, it just it's like it was there to just be the breather in between the two matches and then also so they can plug heels. I I've all I've been I've been very honest about that. I just like a women's the women's match placement Everybody can improve on something. That might be something they yes. can improve on. We then had one last uh, video segment of the world champion John Moxley sitting at a bar talking about Lance Archer and when they face off at uh, on October 14th next week. He said, maybe you win, maybe I win. I got a lot of regrets in my life, but laying down in the ring for you ain't one of them. It's like you say, Lance, everybody dies. So quick little promo to build up to the AW title match next week. But then... Final match of the show, 30 years in the making. Chaos Project, Serpentico and Luther versus Chris Jericho and Jake Hager. We all know why this match was here. It was to celebrate Chris Jericho's career. And it was very much Jericho just wrestling pretty much one of his one of his friends in the industry that he's known for the longest time. They met in 1991, Excalibur mentioned. And they just, con- just had a nice little celebration match that capped off with a nice little like closing segment that was just really really funny but i mean like there's i i don't really have much to say about it like the match was good and it was fine it was just really there just to be like guys chris jericho's amazing this is his moment to just have a fun time yeah i saw a lot of people bitching about luther and i'm just like sometimes people don't like luther just like it's 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 like they have their belief about luther and they just don't like him sometimes things is what it is Jericho's 30 years anniversary. This was the Jericho show. He gets to pick his opponent, dude. You, This is probably the last time Luther will ever be in a main event on an AEW Dynamite. And the fact that he gets this one shot should not bother you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't like I don't to know, tell... Or at least shouldn't I, bother you this much. Yeah, and like, I don't like to tell people how they should feel about things, because that's not really my business. But th- this shouldn't bother you. It was not... This was not a competitive, like, a number one contenders type match. This literally was nothing, really. They gave Luther and Serpentico a few wins on Dart to build up the record to have a... Fr- have a 
main event with one of his closest friends for 30 years on his anniversary show. Yeah. I'm just like, the dude's a wrestler. He has wrestled for years. It's not like, you know, he's a janitor or something like that. Or, like, it's just like, this is a wrestler. And he got his spotlight. He got his one night. I'm like, I don't, I mean, this is why I love professional wrestling. It was like, I know it ain't Kofi Kingston, but it's just like, dude, to him, this was him winning the world title at WrestleMania. Yeah. He main evented a live TV show in America. Yeah, and with he was, one and of his he did closest it alongside friends, one of his close friends in Jericho. Yes, and putting over Serpentico because I think they did a good job of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They gave him a lot of uh, highlights, and you know, you know, Serpentico probably wouldn't have main evented if he wasn't tagging with Luther. So he, you know, he gave his boy the rub. I just like the match was what it was. Was it the most beautiful match ever? No, but was it horrible? No. <laughs> By no means was this a horrible match. I've seen most. I've seen worse matches on Dynamite. So, it was a match, and Jericho won clean. Over. It was to set up what happened after, which, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I just like if you had that big a problem with Luther in the main event, I just I I want to. You just have a gri- You have a personal gripe about it, and you need to sort that out. Yeah, I just want to ask you about. Do you find things happy? Because I don't think there's anything not positive about him getting the main event a dynamite. I yeah. just, it made like literally makes me happy for him. I don't know him. Didn't know who he was before he showed up in AEW, but he got the main event AEW dynamite. Probably his last time being on Dynamite, unless they like like a battle royal or something. Come on, yeah, yeah. exactly. But yeah, mm. afterwards MJF came out like he said he would. He brought a couple presents, one of which was a clown, and the clown was holding another gift. That gift was a framed photo of MJF, and then Jericho smashed that framed photo over the clown's head and hit it with the Judas effect, which was pretty damn stiff. Told MJF he hates clowns and he hate and you better not interrupt me again. They stare off and then they were just like, <laughs> and just all joking. They all smiled. Everybody came out like a full on SNL celebration final final screen. They cut to credits, which is just every credit is Chris Jericho, and that popped me. I thought that was really funny. Um, and yeah, the only other thing that was said was that MJF has a career defining announcement that he will be making next week which will be one of the previews for next week's Dynamite. But otherwise, Jericho's 30 years in wrestling. Hell yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, only thing I can add from this segment is there was this moment where The Rock was in the Nation of Domination. And The Rock gave everyone presents on the Nation. Gave like Mark Henry a Rolex, gave D'Lo something, and then gave Farouk. Do you remember what he gave him? I don't know if you went back and watched this. But I haven't watched it recently, no. He gave him a pitch frame picture of himself. Oh, yeah, he did do that, yeah. Just saying. The announcement of him taking... Like, someone brought up the idea of MJF literally taking over the inner circle. And with that moment, it feels like it is foreshadowing to exactly that. I mean, that would be really clever, too, in just a nice little parallel. Yeah, because, you know, The Rock basically tried to take over... Yeah, but yeah, Jericho and MJF, uh, I felt, I mean, I feel like this is a few they've been building up for a few weeks, and it's going to be fun. Uh, and, and the best thing is, Jericho's at this point where a face run in AEW wouldn't be the worst thing, 
because he already has the Judas thing going on. And it's just like he's already kind of cheered and treated like a face by the fans. So MJF going after a legend could be crazy. Oh, yeah. And that was the episode of Dynamite for this week, the 30 Years of Jericho episode, the celebration. And it was a really strong show. Honestly, only issue I really have is, again, like they still need to continue to put the placement of the women's matches in a better spot. And I think once they start really getting that downhand, and I think still they might be struggling just because their women's roster is still like missing a lot of key pieces. And I think when they come back, it'll be good. Yeah, Shauna, Shauna posts like post on you know Instagram and Twitter like all the time. She can't wait to get back. It's just yeah. And then when like Chris Statlander heals up, yeah, Chris Statlander, man, yeah. It was yeah, funny. So they're she, still missing. She they're did still missing inst- a lot of pieces. She did like an Instagram live. She's like, "Ask me anything except when I'm coming back," because <laughs> yeah. like she's nowhere near coming back. You know, yeah, her, her like, injury was really bad. One of her legs is significantly smaller than the other. It's just like it. This is not coming back time. You talk to her mid to twenty twenty one. Mid twenty twenty one is when you can actually start asking her that. Yeah, and it's I, probably yeah, going to be closer yeah. to the end of 2021 before she comes back because Tony Khan, again, all I hear is that he's excellent to work for. He's not going to let her come back before she is as close to 100% as her yeah. body physically is allowed. Uh, yeah, uh, there was a vice presidential thing Wednesday, vice presidential debate. Uh, so AEW's numbers are down a little bit, 753,000. Uh, apparently All because the, of that fucking fly for Jericho's segment. Yeah, yeah. The, the vice presidential debate drew fifty million people. I the fly. Perso- the fly drew fifty million people. Like, I, let's not let's not joke with ourselves. I personally said this. I I I wouldn't want to see a debate uh between uh like superhero sidekicks. I wouldn't want to see like Robin uh debate. Who's another famous superhero sidekick? I don't know, but. I wouldn't want to see two sidekicks debate. So I'm like, why would I watch a vice presidential debate? I don't know. I just think most people at this point, a month before, I I truly believe this. And I could be wrong. You're decided. Yeah. And we'll leave that. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm not. Like I said, I'm not going either way. I try to do my best to keep this show apolitical as possible. I don't want anyone to know which side I lean to. (laughs) It's just. Because God like, knows we don't want to talk about it. I don't, yeah. I just feel like a month, like November, you know. You know. <laughs> you know. If you know, you know. <laughs> you know. You know who you're voting for. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> let's real quickly, though, get into the preview for next week's AEW Dynamite, the one-year anniversary preview. And then after that, honestly, let's just talk about our favorite moment from the first year of AEW Dynamite. First up, matches that have been announced for next week's show. The Cody versus OC TNT title match. Big Swole versus Hikaru Shida for the women's title match. FTR versus Best Friends for the tag team titles. And John Moxley versus Jake Hager for the AEW world title. So all of the titles, except for the FTW title, will be on the line FTW, on the anniversary. Show. Yeah, I was going to say, and this is like a non-pay-per-view. This doesn't happen. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I, you know. I honestly think they could go Lance Archer as champion. I think a lot of people are assuming 
that Mox is oh, just going to win. For some reason, it says Jake Hager. Lance Archer is who there is who John Moxley's facing next hey, week. Not hey, Jake you Hager. know you know who does the notes? Me. So I literally wrote it down wrong, but memorized it right. That's so interesting. Weird. So yeah. apologies for that. It's John Moxley versus it's John Ugh. Moxley versus Lance, Lance Archer, Archer, not Jake that, Hager. That was Pop. on me. On me. That wasn't on Austin. He was just reading the notes. Uh, Lance Archer. I, I pulled a full anchor man and just read what was on the teleprompter. Yeah, January fourth show. They uh, January fourth show in New Japan. Mox and Archer wrestled in a Texas death match. Uh, Mox ended up beating Archer. Uh, now they're just doing a regular wrestling match. I, I'm, I'm going out on a limb. I'm calling Archer. Honestly, I, it would be. I think if anybody at this point was to stop end John Moxley's reign, uh, I would think Lance Archer would be a good shout. Um, I'm not sure how long they're going to keep the title on Moxley, but I mean, like. If there's anybody like recently that like is incredibly believable to take the title, Lance Archer, I think, is a good shout. I, I just think they've built him so well. He's forty plus, so his window to be a believable world champion is, you know, closing. I I think you give the te- I, give, I think you give the big Texas boy to run. I think you could give it back to Mox at, in November on the uh, November seventh. I think you could very well do that. Uh, but I think Mox needs to lose this one. I mean, he's a I, badass champion. I think a nice year run that ends with like you know year run with Kenny or Hangman, I'm down with. So if they yeah. don't do it, but if you're asking me, my gut, if Floyd's gut is punching through, I'm saying Archer wins wins Wednesday. Yeah, I can I can lean on that as well. Um, and yeah, I think that'll be the only title that changes hands unless they do end up going with what we think with Cody being overzealous and actually OC upsets Cody, which if that happens, holy you, shit, you know, who does AEW does very logical booking. So I could see logically Cody should lose next week. Orange Cassidy hasn't wrestled in two weeks, so he's fresh and Cody is beat to hell. Logically, yeah. OC should win. Lance Archer, you know, Mox has been wrestling, wrestling. Lance Archer has been off for the last few weeks, getting healthy, you know, getting pissed. I mean, he could win. So I could see either belt changing hands, but I, like I said, I don't like to sit on the fence with some things. I'm just going to call it. Archer wins, Cody, Cody wins. But it's like, yeah, they haven't had a heel champion. Well, I guess FDR technically are heels. I don't. You know, I don't think eyes, they are not heels and mods. They are the baby faces of baby faces, but they are heels. But, you know, good old heel world champion. It's amazing. Uh, but Mox has had a great run. I think he's done a lot for the title, like a lot for the title. And, you know, what? he's one of those people that once I heard an interview for him and he told me what he was going for in his character, it was like John McClane. I've heard that. And, and I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely John McClane vibes. You know, it's just like, he's just going to keep coming at you. And he's going to do whatever it takes to win. So they've been getting the Bulldog choke over so he could end up choking Lance Archer out like that. And he, there's a lot of ways he could go. But I just think, in the end, everybody dies. Yeah. Now, before we wrap up the show, uh, I think it would be a really good idea leading into the anniversary show for next week to talk about our favorite moments in AEW Dynamite's first year. Specifically for myself, 
I will say I have three matches on my list of my favorite Dynamite matches, um, and they're just the ones that come to my head. First up, Nick Jackson versus Phoenix. Jesus Christ. This was back in November of last year. That match was ridiculous. And also, very much enjoyed the upset of Private Party beating the Young Bucks in the first round of the tag team tournament. Very early on in Dynamite's uh, history, and it was still a really, really great moment. And then one other one I had was Cody versus Darby Allen too. I mean, I loved their first match, and their second match was just as good, if not better. So, like, those alone are some of my favorite matches in AEW history. And then, of course, you have, like, great segments like the debate between Jericho and OC and anything Cody says in terms of promos, always quality, always great. The uh, the the amazing recovery of the Dark Order from when he they first showed up in, the, in, uh, in uh, Double or Nothing, and then all of a sudden... Brody Lee, I feel like, legitimizes them. And then John Silver. First off, congrats on getting your first singles win on Dynamite. Second off, John Silver developing into such a great character. Like, there's, like, too many to name. Like, honestly, Floyd, any that I'm missing that you think are, like, huge moments? Okay. Uh, of course, I was at the first Dynamite. I've uh, posted the line. So that first Cody entrance was, like, especially memorable to me. Uh um, what's her name? Rio winning the title at the first Dynamite. Yeah. So a very big moment for me and women, uh, women's wrestling. Um, Kenny versus uh, Pac at Kansas City, uh, the Iron Man match. Oh, it was to me, to me is the best match in Dynamite history. It's that thirty minute Pac versus Kenny Iron Man match. Uh, FTR driving in the truck. Rolling yeah. in the truck to show up. Uh, that was a great moment also. Um, yeah, I, I think that's it. Um, and Cody's comeback. I think when you look at it, if we do yearly awards and you look at it, that that when, when the lights hit and he rises from the bottom, I think that will be one of those top five, top ten moments of the year. Yeah, but... Yeah, that'll wrap it up for this episode of All Things Elite as we leave you with our favorite moments of the first year of Dynamite off the top of our heads. We want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, be sure to download the show and share it with your friends, whether you're listening on Google or Apple Podcasts or if you're listening on Spotify or anywhere else you get podcasts. We appreciate you. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. Tell us how we're doing, anything you think we should do differently. Also, if you are so appreciative, we would love – if you leave a donation through your pod, our podcast provider, Red Circle, you don't have to, but we would be so in-depth to you if you did such a thing. And again, on Twitter, we are at ATElitePod, at Social Suplex, at SSumer4, which is myself, and at Floyd Johnson Jr., which is Floyd on Twitter. And again, nothing else we can do right now except for letting our good buddy Floyd take us home for tonight. Well, with my last few moments like I generally do, I am just going to point you to one place. Uh, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It is near and dear to my heart. I always try to support it as much. I have not had anyone in my family affected by it, but I've had friends and friends and people affected by it. So one thing I will say is just go to shopaew.com, click on the AEW Breast Cancer Awareness shirt, and I believe, uh, what did they say, uh, a portion of profits, we donated to the following charities, to Tit Mice Vodka and Jacks in the Pink. So it's a, I mean, the, go 
great causes for breast cancer awareness. Make sure you go order your shirt on shopaew.com. Uh, yeah, I wanted to just put that plug in just because most people probably don't even know this shirt exists. I'd just like you to go order one if you can. Um, last, as always, you know, you, you're going through life. This is 2020 is almost over. You know, some people's been bad. Some people's been good. Some people's whatever. Just remember, take care of yourself. You know, make sure you're looking out, social distancing, all that kind of stuff. Just make sure you're doing what else you can for your mental and physical health. And whether it is home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H E R O.co.